Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Hello, folks, and thanks for tuning in to AOA. It is Friday, March 25th, and I'm up in Bozeman, Montana today talking with the Montana bankers. Big shout out to our friends tuning in in Billings on KGHL, the mighty 790. A lot of our conversation yesterday was about the cattle business and the cattle market and the outlook for drought here as the spring season gets ready to get started. And while there's some trepidation, there's also some good news coming out in the cattle side. Yesterday, export sales reported a record single week export sale for the beef market. That sets us up today. The cattle on feed report will be coming out this afternoon and we'll be talking to Dennis Smith on Monday's show about just how that market is developing. Today, of course, we are going to be continuing our conversation about all things agriculture. We're going to talk to our friend Darren Domi about what's developing in the crude oil markets a little bit later on. But first, let's get an update on that weather. Joining me is ag meteorologist Ed Valley and Ed, up here in Montana, the talk is about the drought. Do you see anything coming that could alleviate it? Hi, Mike. Yeah, no, you know, I, I, that's a really good question and, and something we're, we're getting quite a bit nowadays as we kind of press into the end of March and into early April. Everybody's thinking about planting season and, and just the warm season in general, and, and it's a legitimate concern. You know, we're in a very, uh, very strong drought in a lot of uh, the Western Plains, the Rockies, right up into the Canadian Prairie. And unfortunately, you know, moving forward, do we have a couple opportunities here or there for moisture? We do. But I think as we head here into the month of April, uh, unfortunately, we're probably going to be strengthening that drought, meaning that the moisture coming likely won't help all that much. Now, there will be a few opportunities, but I, I think, you know, from a, a broader perspective, uh, you know, a continuation of this dry pattern is, is certainly possible. Ed, as you're looking out at some of those potential opportunities for moisture, when do you see the first one really starting to take shape? Yeah, so it looks like here sometime middle of next week, give or take, you know, we're, we're going to be in a pattern here overall that, that isn't overly cold per se. And, and there's going to be times of, uh, of warmer weather, which is, you know, everybody's looking forward to that here moving forward. But I think the bigger concern here comes Tuesday, Wednesday of the next week. And unfortunately, it may miss a good majority of Montana and part of the Western Plains, uh, but it could uh, provide some moisture to parts of the Dakotas, parts of uh, the upper Midwest. And all of those areas, you know, I, I know many are familiar with how dry and hot we were to start the season last year. We have seen some decent rain in the northern ag belt uh, through the wintertime. Obviously, some of that coming as snow. Uh, but we can always use more ahead of this planting season. And, and like I said, a couple tenths of an inch of moisture here possible midweek next week. Well, those tenths of a moisture there across particularly the, the uh, northern areas of the Midwest, uh, Ed, are those going to be rain or snow? As of now, of course, knock on wood, uh, it looks to be in the form of rain or maybe a little mixture of rain or snow. So it, it looks like a warmer system for now. Uh, but as always, the rain-snow line can be a little fickle this time of the year. We get a little bit colder, maybe some of that falls as snow, but as of right now, it appears to be on the liquid side of things. Well, there has been plenty of liquid moisture following falling down along the Gulf Coast. Ed, we have seen a lot of severe weather outbreaks. It, it seems like a lot to me here in March. Are, is this a more active storm season so far, or is that just how it seems to me? You know, I, I think when we compare it to other years, maybe it's starting a little earlier. But generally speaking, you know, the last few years have been less than extreme on the uh, on the on the uh, severe weather side. So, you know, it's kind of been quiet recently. And now that we're starting to see an uptick in, in that moisture and that precipitation and severe weather, it might just seem like it's a little bit out of the ordinary. But you're right. We have seen quite a bit of it, you know, parts of Texas, Louisiana. Uh, the kind of the southern part of the Mississippi Delta in, in, right into the southeast, this week has been active, and, and it does look like we're going to see a break from that moving forward. But so far, there has been quite a bit of tornado activity, and, and we never like to see that, of course. 
That is true. And of course, down there in that Delta region, they are looking forward to spring planting. They get in there a little bit earlier than the those of us in the northern areas. Is it going to be dry enough or do you see these systems continuing to spring through that neck of the woods? Yeah, so, you know, we've been pretty wet down that in that part of the world here. And, and moving forward, I think the temperatures are, are going to be fine. Um, there will be a few opportunities for precipitation kind of in the middle of next week, just like we talked about up north. Uh, and that could be a pretty big precipitation maker. Uh, that might put some areas in a little bit too wet of a category to really get going. Um, but the temperatures, like I said, are going to be favorable. So if we can kind of spread these moisture systems out a little bit, I think things will progress as they normally should. But again, a lot of that comes down to localized amounts of rainfall. Well, I'm going to ask you that question here over in the Southern Plains, that southwest corner of the country, Ed, any chance of moisture? I know there was a possibility this week. Did anybody get what they were needing? Yeah, so a lot of that region late this weekend and into early this week did see some pretty good rainfall. We have some customers out in the, the western part of the plains there in parts of Kansas and in, in the Panhandle. They saw a, a couple inches of snow, and again, some is better than nothing, but the same kind of theory applies there as well. I, I think midweek next week, a tenth or two in that part of the world, but we're going to be continuing to fight the lack of moisture in the southwestern plains right through the month of April. And, and of course, coupled with what we've seen here or the lack of rain we've seen here this winter, that's going to be a big talking point as we head into the summer. All right, well, let's look at that head into the summer time frame with La Nina fading. Ed, where do we go for planting season? What's the weather going to be? What trends are you keeping an eye on as uh, the planters start to roll? Yeah, so great question, as always. And, and it looks like here initially here in, in the beginning of April, it's actually going to start off a little colder than normal in the eastern belt and the northern belt. So I'm not anticipating any sort of early planting season for anybody in, in the I states or in, uh, you know, in, in the northern belt. However, further south, we should be, like I told you earlier, the temperatures look pretty good, and that should allow things to progress here in, in April in the south. And over time, I think the pattern does warm up in the back half of April for everybody. So things, as of now, look to progress as they typically should. However, you know, with respect to precipitation, I'm still unfortunately seeing the western part of the Ag Belt, the plains, maybe even parts of western Iowa, uh, southwestern Minnesota, the Dakotas. That part of the world still looks to hang on to some dryness as we move through April and, and even into May. And that's going to be the talking point. And even into the summer, we do lean a little bit warmer than normal for most areas because of that La Nina that's still in, in effect. However, that may come with decent precipitation opportunities, especially the further east you go. So Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, that part of the world may be okay here in the summer. But the further west you go, again, I think the warmth and the dryness is going to be a story all year long, which obviously nobody wants to hear. No, that is certainly the case. And we'll be speaking in the next segment with Aubrey Betancourt. She is the president of the Almond Alliance of California about that drought and dryness. Ed, thank you so much for bringing us up to speed. Always appreciate your insights. Thanks, Mike. And folks, stick around. We'll have that update on what is going on in the almond industry when AOA returns. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Now a National Ag Week message brought to you on behalf of Growmark and its FS and Green Member Cooperatives. Agriculture is the foundation of our country, the backbone of a healthy and prosperous nation, made possible by the hard work of America's farms and farm families who lead the way in preservation and innovation for the health of our planet and provide food for our tables. Join FS as we celebrate this week as National Agriculture Week. Agriculture, growing a climate for tomorrow. Hey, wouldn't it be great if life came with a remote control? You know, you could hit pause when you needed to, or hit rewind, like that time you knocked down that wasp's nest. Uh-oh. 
Well, life doesn't always give you time to change the outcome. But pre-diabetes does. With early diagnosis and a few healthy changes, you can stop pre-diabetes before it leads to type 2 diabetes. To learn your risk, take the one-minute test today at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Considering an online pharmacy? Explore BeSafeRx to find useful information and resources to help you purchase medicines safely online. A safe online pharmacy requires a doctor's prescription, has an address in the United States, has a licensed pharmacist, and is licensed by a state pharmacy board. It's best to stay away from online pharmacies that don't meet these criteria. Discover more helpful tips and resources at BeSafeRx. Go to FDA.gov slash BeSafeRx. Progressive Farmer knows you need content delivered on multiple platforms, so it's available when you want it. That's why we've created our weekly podcast, Field Posts, to bring you convenient and easy-to-listen-to interviews on key topics and trends. Join me, Sarah Mock, as I interview some of agriculture's best thoughts. You'll have a front-row seat to learn what's happening in agriculture today. You can view our library of podcasts and upcoming topics by going to dtnpf.com backslash field posts. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor. Restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Keeping farmers and ranchers informed. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back to AOA. It is Friday, March 24th, and one of the conversations ongoing in agriculture has been what is going to be the production capabilities out of Ukraine? Well, we do have a little bit of an update on that. The Deputy Minister of Agriculture came out yesterday and said that so far this spring, farmers over there have been able to sow 150,000 hectares of spring crops. So that rough calculation as a hectare is, is just about double an acre. So we're looking at a little over 300,000 acres of spring crops so far sown in the area. And uh, he said this is covering corn, soybeans, sunflowers, millet, buckwheat, oats, and sugar beets. He said we can already see it in Kherson, Odessa, Mykolov region. In spite of everything, sowing has started under the Ukrainian flag. So that is some progress there in Ukraine. Of course, the questions remain if those Ukrainian growers are able to get their needs uh, for planting in the ground and they're able to get all of these acres covered. What does harvest look like? How, what does export situation look like? We continue to hear stories of ships being unable to utilize the Black Sea, and this is going to be a challenge that is there for some time. However, the new Ukrainian Ag Minister, Soleski, said on Friday that exports, uh, stocks for exports amount to $7.5 billion, but he did not have an update as of yet on what the um, overall volume of grains lined up for exports will be. We are currently working to connect with Aubrey Betancourt. She is a farmer and currently serving as the president of the Almond Alliance of California. We have our production staff working to get her lined up already so we can hear just what is going on and what are the concerns developing for almond growers. Of course, they look to the export market for a sizable part of their income. And well, there are so many concerns about the export market globally right now. It will be interesting to hear exactly how things look for those almond growers 
growers. So do stay with us. Hopefully we will be able to connect with Aubrey before too much longer. But we do have an update. I mentioned yesterday that President Biden was headed over to Europe. This was a very important trip from the perspective of overall global diplomacy. And there were a few issues that mattered, I think, largely for agriculture that were going to be under discussion. We did see the conversation happen between the U.S. and the European Union about boosting natural gas supplies to those EU countries. The EU, as we've discussed plenty of times and we'll be discussing here in just a few minutes with Darren Domi of the Powerline Group, we have seen the European community looking for new sources of energy. Obviously, as the situation with Russia has deteriorated, Russia has now requested that purchases of gas from that country be made in rubles. And I don't believe as of yet we have seen the European community respond to that request. But if that's the direction he's going, it's probably true that he's going to hold folks to it. So Europe is now casting a net to look for additional suppliers. And this is one place where the American fracking boom really lends us an advantage in getting additional product into Europe. For a long time, we have not had the motivation to capture and liquefy a lot of the natural gas that is coming out of the areas that have been heavily fracked. While I've been here speaking with the Montana bankers and Bozeman, I spoke with several folks from the northeast part of the state there around that Williston Basin, that Bakken area where that crude oil production and fracking has been taking place. And uh, they are excited to see some rebound in productive capability. Folks are starting to see the market incentives are working to bring this production back online a little bit. So as a part of this, we did see a move here in Europe. They have signed an agreement or at least a political framework to find supplies of liquefied natural gas from the United States. So here is what the agreement has been proposed so far. Europe will be getting at least 15 billion cubic meters of additional liquefied natural gas supplies by the end of the year. Now that's what Europe has said, that is what these countries have agreed to. Now they left the, the origination point for that liquefied natural gas open. So it doesn't necessarily have to come from the United States. However, all member states did say they are going to work to ensure demand for 50 billion cubic meters of American liquefied natural gas by at least 2030. So this is going to be a long-term transition away from the reliance on Russian energy, but the Europeans are looking to find additional sources, and I would imagine that would have some ability to help push up prices here in this country. It is also likely going to be the case that we are going to see these agreements continue to grow. One of the countries that is being watched very, very closely is China. They have been partners with Russia on several kinds of, of agreements, not just in grains, but in uh, really all sorts of commodities. And the world has been watching. How are the Chinese going to respond and react when their economic partner, Russia, and in some cases, ideological partner in Russia, how are they being treated by the international community? Bloomberg did a study just the other day looking at the economic ties that China has at risk in this volatile global environment. They do have economic ties to Russia, but they have much, much larger economic ties to the global West. It was reported by Bloomberg that China's connection to Europe, Western Europe and United States, Canada, Mexico, you know, broadly the Western Hemisphere, it's about 30 times larger in a dollar basis than their connection to Russia. So how are the Chinese going to navigate this? Well, it seems as though we might have a clue, perhaps, perhaps as soon as today. President Xi Jinping of China has an opportunity to make history in the UN by calling for a resolution to end this war. Now, we have not seen China do this. They have been rather hesitant to come out with bold claims. Some China watchers note that recently some of the state-owned Chinese news networks have been airing actual footage of the violence and the damage done in Ukraine. And uh, these commentators note that, hey, perhaps that's a sign that the Chinese government is ready to take a harder line if they're exposing, you know, their 
citizens to what is actually happening on the ground. We'll continue to watch this story. What will be important to see is how the international community reacts to any move by China. If we do see additional sanctions put on China, again, folks, remember that trade war. If China has to retaliate, there are very few products coming from the U.S. they can tariff. Agriculture would likely be amongst them. I would assume that is a story we will be watching on this program as it develops over time. One of the things that is still developing, inflation. We have continued to see the inflationary um, environment grow right now and a Citigroup incorporated their economists have come out already and they are expecting to see four rate hikes by the by the Federal Reserve here as this year rolls on and it's important to say it's not just expecting four rate hikes of course we've had Fed Chairman Jerome Powell come out and he said there will be six so far or excuse me six as we look out through the end of 2022 what Citigroup is saying though is that these shouldn't be or they won't be 25 basis point interest rate hikes city is calling for four half point interest rate hikes which of course a half point is that's going to put us higher by about two percent at the end of the year and their economists say they predict that we should see rates um, climb by 2.75 percentage points through the remainder of 2022. They do note that inflation is going to be a concern going forward. And uh, really, the rate that they are watching, this 3.5 to 3.75 interest rate that uh, economists are watching, is much higher than the 2.8 level that central bankers were expected to reach early on this year. Of course, the inflation news continues to grow. We spoke yesterday about the incredible jobless claims numbers that were reported this week. It was reported jobless claims for this week were 187,000. That sounds like quite a bit. That's, you know, 187,000. That is the lowest number of jobless claims since 1969. That is incredible. Economists were expecting to see a number closer to 210,000. So to see it come in as short as it did was huge. The economists say this is consistent with a labor market in which employers are desperately trying to hang on to workers, and they are even more desperately trying to attract new ones. Again, that is a topic that has come up from conversation, I think, with nearly everybody I have spoken with over the past several months. These labor shortages across the country are a massive struggle. Looking out, they do say this level of claims is obviously the lowest since the pandemic struck in 2020. It is the lowest level since 1969. And Fed Chairman Jerome Powell said this amount of jobless claims benefits tells us that the employment situation is, quote, tight to an unhealthy level. Folks, stay with us on AOA. When we return, we will check in with our friend Darren Domi of the Powerline Futures Group about what is going on in this crude oil, and we will continue to try to, to capture Aubrey Betancourt and have that conversation with the California Almond Alliance. Stay with us on AOA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Each and every day, DTN and progressive farmer editors are posting unique, original content to their website at DTNPF.com, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day -day business decisions. Their award-winning newsroom, covers markets, news, and weather, while also providing insights on crops, cattle, equipment technology, and more. You'll find innovative topics like, would you plant soybeans in December? Experiments look at the possibility of boosting yields with early planting. Want to save time? Learn how through autonomous machinery systems. Will there be a surge in feed prices in 2021? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? The editors of DTN and Progressive Farmer are committed to delivering the essential intelligence farmers need every day to help your farm business be more efficient and profitable. Visit DTNPF.com today. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen reporting. Well, grain and livestock markets are mostly higher, a little bit more mixed activity in grains on this Friday morning. USDA reported a sale of 132,000 metric tons of soybeans to China for old crop. That's the second day in the row. 
of an old crop soybean sale to China or unknown destinations. Now, we've reached another weekend in the Ukraine crisis, and traders are assessing their positions going into a period in which the headlines will continue to flow over the weekend while the markets are closed. There's a quiet acknowledgement that the conflict is likely to continue for some time, and that's going to contribute toward long-term inflation, but not necessarily pulling the U.S. economy into a recession this year. Yet it will likely contribute to ongoing shortages that are going to hinder growth while putting greater emphasis on food and energy production. As we see crude oil prices, they pulled back about 2% in a consolidation mode this morning, while the ag trade is fairly firm. As we watch everything going on in Russia and Ukraine and, and what is going to happen with Russia's response to more sanctions, there's a lot of things going on here that are going to definitely continue to be market drivers. We also, next week, have a USDA perspective plantings report, the acreage numbers, and a quarterly grain stocks report that are going to shape our market trade for the weeks ahead when we get to that report. Overall, so far today, though, trading up just a bit here in grains. May corn up four to quarter, 752 and a half. May soybeans up five to quarter, 1706. Bean meal is up moderately. Bean oil down slightly. May Chicago wheat up six and a half, 1092 and a quarter. May Kansas City wheat up five and a half, 11 and a half. May spring wheat up two and a quarter, 1085. April live cattle up 77, 140.45. March feeders up 7, 156.85. April hogs up 97, 103.75. Crude oil down $1.95, 110.39. This is AOA. I'm Jesse Allen. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Maxtron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. information farmers and ranchers need to know AOA now back to Mike Pearson welcome back to AOA one of the ongoing stories over the past year has been the rise in crude oil prices and of course that story had an exclamation point added to it after Russia invaded Ukraine we continue to see crude oil trading well over a hundred dollars diesel prices are climbing throughout the countryside as we head towards planting season Boy, this market is crazy. To give us a little insight on what might be going on, Darren Domi, the managing partner of the Powerline Group, joins us today. And Darren, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Thanks for having me on, Mike. Let's talk first about the products. Diesel fuel, Darren, is climbing, climbing, climbing. Hearing reports from, from friends, we're paying $450, $5 plus for on-road diesel fuel at times. Why has that market reacted so strongly? Well, diesel fuel itself it was already in a tight situation even before uh, Russia invaded the Ukraine. Uh, the crack spreads, which is what the refinery makes when they buy crude oil to sell diesel fuel, was already in a very strong position because of the tight supplies. Europe is much tighter than the U.S., and I think what you're going to continue to see is that now that Russia invaded the Ukraine and all the self-embargoes that are going on, it's going to continue to tighten up the crude oil supply as we go into the spring and into the summer months. Hence, it'll even tighten the diesel, diesel fuel supply, which was already tight to begin with, uh, in a tighter situation throughout the summer. And, you know, that European shortage or tightness in the diesel fuel market, I've seen lots of reporting about that. Darren, are, is Europe going to be buying finished diesel from the U.S. and shipping it over there to fill this hole, or will they continue to refine and it's just going to be sourcing crude oil from other places? 
Well, Europe makes a lot of diesel. Um, They've already lost one refinery over there recently this week that went down. Um, It was a sizable refinery of about 500,000 barrels a day. So that's going to continue to tighten their supply. Now, Biden is over in Brussels, you know, trying to talk deals with them right now and and trying to keep his, his NATO coalition and sanction coalition together because basically the Europeans rely so much on Russia for all their oil, diesel fuel, natural gas needs, that they're basically, he's about to bring them to their knees in fear that they're not going to have a supply. So hence, Biden's over there assuring them that, hey, look, we'll try and maintain all your liquid natural gas needs. And what that also means is if you can start relying on us for diesel fuel, we'll export it to you as well. So what's that going to do to us come summer? Tighten up supply, right? Yeah, yeah we're going to see a lot more demand, Darren. And that's one of the concerns you raised last time we spoke on this show has been the slowdown in infrastructure build out in the crude oil space. It just hasn't been happening. As you think about potential additional uh, uh, demand sources for domestic diesel, where do you see that move in our market? And how should farmers be thinking ahead to that time period right now? Um, <clears throat> if you can buy a tank, I would probably add some storage. I've even had some of my uh, commercial customers telling me they were buying old frack tanks uh, out of North Dakota. You know, uh, you don't need to build a dike around them because they're a mobile storage tank, and they've been buying them fairly cheap. Uh, so maybe that's one idea. But I would probably go ahead and put some fuel into storage because I think the product uh, could be harder and harder to get throughout the summer, especially if we have a good pipeline hack. Um, you know, like we had the Colonial last year, any kind of refinery outage, uh, power problem, and then if you throw a hurricane or any kind of tropical storm in there that disrupts supply late summer, and then we are in trouble. Darren, you mentioned the potential risk of a hack. We know that uh, Russia has pretty good cyber attackers. They've certainly been alleged to be behind hacks in the past. As you talk to folks in the industry, is cyber warfare uh, a growing threat? Is something that crude oil producers and traders are taking note of and being more secure about? Well, it's it's the modern warfare, yes. And, and that's the way even uh, the Ukrainians are, are receiving a lot of good help from around the world. Russia's been relying on their tanks, and it's kind of proven that they're an old, old modeled war-style product uh, when drones have just been easily defeating those. But when you refer back to getting hacked, it's the new modern warfare, and, you know, unfortunately, we're extremely vulnerable to it. Uh, and I'm concerned about it because, boy, you, you shut off anybody's Internet these days. I was talking to a friend at church last night, and he even mentioned that, hey, look, Uh, I work at Caterpillar, and for the last several months, we've been having to do some of these orders by hand because our system's been down for a while. Um, You know, they can reach and touch anybody. Yeah, they can. That is terrifying to think about because when they shut, if they were to shut one of those pieces of infrastructure down, boy, the market reaction would be swift. Looking more broadly at the crude oil ecosystem, again, prices north of $100. We've been there a month now, Darren. Are we starting to incent some additional production? Uh, We are. As a matter of fact, you know, Canada, our neighbors uh, are starting to step up. And they say that they can probably put another 300,000 barrels a day of oil on the export market. Um, I think that uh, you see also, you also see Iran chomping at the bit to get this nuclear uh, agreement signed. And then they say that they could add, you know, a million barrels a day. But now you got to remember, Iran hasn't been able to export that kind of volume for quite some time. And even what they have been putting out into the system around the sanctions uh, China's already been buying. So, you know, the big question now is, is how hard of a sanctions will Europe put on, put on the Russians, you know, to cut off their, you know, their own supply. And if, if the Europeans do that, then you'll see them have to come to the U.S. for more product. So it's, and here in the U.S., Darren, are we are domestic producers now finding the incentive to, to get back out there and, and start to reopen wells that have been uh, slowing down? <laughs> they have, and this, and I remember our conversation last time. They couldn't find lenders uh, to really give them to give them that kind of support. 
but I think they're starting to free up now and find some more money. But yeah, you're starting to see um, some of these Permian Basin drillers down in Texas uh, for the shale oil, and even up in the in the North Dakota area, uh, punching a few new holes in the ground. I think they punched maybe 13 to 17 new holes last week, and we'll see another report today. So you're starting to see a little bit more of that oil come back online. And as this oil comes online, and of course, we're, we're going to be feeding into that very, very tight international crude oil ecosystem. What's the infrastructure like domestically for us to ramp up actual physical crude exports? Is that the direction you see U.S. oil energy going? Or are we going to mainly be a product exporter, Darren? Um, I think it's going to be both. You'll see, you'll see um, our crude oil going around the world to make up for the lost Russian production or sanctioned production. And then of course the diesel fuel products and gasoline will continue to be exported around as well. Um, you know, if you're not getting, China has, has halted 90% of their diesel fuel exports. In other words, they're keeping their diesel fuel in, in-house or in-country now uh, in fear of tighter supplies for themselves. So you'll see more diesel fuel maybe come from the, exported from the United States and other countries to fulfill the needs of those other Asian countries that used to buy from China. Okay, so that will be a, a, a situation that is ongoing. As you think about those other Asian countries and their diesel needs, Darren, have they still been seeing their economies grow? I know China, they've cut back way, way back on their fertilizer production. They had cut back on a lot of their energy intensive usage heading into the Olympics. Are they coming back online? China's coming back online. It's been a little slow. They've had another COVID lockdown. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to actually figure out whether it's a real COVID lockdown in China or are they doing it to kind of slow their own economy down some. So, you know, and that's, that's one of my fears here in the United States is the Biden administration to slow our U.S. economy down, to be able to ration the fuel supplies and food supplies. Will it create another COVID lockdown? Um, you know, and that'll help slow down the demand for a lot of products. So who knows? Um, at this point, I can't see that happening the remainder of this year, but you don't know where things are going to go. Uh, well, we never do. But Darren, we do know that, that gas prices have been rising, you know, at the pump for Americans. Are the levels we're at now starting to, to ration demand? Are, are these elevated prices dropping miles driven? It's too early to tell. Now, you probably read a story in the last day or two just because gasoline demand dropped Wednesday on the EIA report that's starting to ration demand up here at $4. Now, granted, I know a lot of people are starting to cut back on gasoline to, uh, at $4 and save a few trips, but you got to see how many kids are down there in the South on spring break. And I think you're going to see in Miami airport says they're even running out of parking at the airport. You're seeing that in other locations throughout the South. And, and I think you're seeing, you're going to see a lot of pinup vacation demand. People that haven't traveled yet for the last two years are going to probably take a summer vacation and do some driving. So it's a little too early to say that, that $4 is cutting off demand. Um, it's going to hurt, but you know what? They'll still spend an extra uh, $30 a month to $40 a month. But then again, hey, the Biden administration's already talking about throwing us a stimulus check for gas. You know, that's not going yeah. to demand. <laughs> hundred bucks a month potentially coming. It's in Congress being discussed right now. Darren, that way I imagine would continue to put upward price pressure on the prices at the pump. Well, now that you brought that up, you know, all these countries are pursuing the wrong energy policies. They're coming out and in, in, even in Europe, California, states in the U.S. offering tax breaks on the gasoline, right? State tax breaks. Then they're also coming in and offering stimulus checks. Where's the demand destruction there? It's called demand construction, yep. isn't it, Mike? Going the wrong direction. We could have that discussion a lot longer. We'll have to get Darren Domi of Powerline, Mar 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 Powerline back on. Darren, really appreciate your insights. Thanks for your time, Mike. And folks, stick around. We'll have Aubrey Betancourt here in segment four. Stay with us on AOA. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block, 
maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. 180 over 111, and I had a stroke. When I woke up, I couldn't speak or walk. 145 over 92, and then I had a heart attack. 182 over 100, and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke. Everything changed. It felt like my life was over. This is what high blood pressure sounds like. You might not feel its symptoms, but the results from a heart attack or stroke are far from invisible or silent. 150 over 90, and I had a stroke. If I would have followed a treatment plan, I would not be in this situation. 180 over 110, and I had a stroke. And I'm 33, so I never see this coming. If you've come off your treatment plan, get back on it. Or talk with your doctor to create an exercise, diet, and medication plan that works for you. Go to loweryourhbp.org. Head to toe, everything's changed. Head to toe. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, where we take a close look at the benefits of cooperative ownership. Each week, we'll host a new guest and discuss how you can get the most from working with your local cooperative. And we'll learn why farmers and ranchers just like you choose cooperatives to help them persevere and prosper. Tune in each Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, farm radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. When it comes to your 2022 seed decisions, don't step over the line. Buy new, professionally produced seed from authorized seed companies and dealers. The Seed Innovation and Protection Alliance membership of 100 companies invest 15% of their sales into product research and development that can take 7 to 16 years, with total costs ranging from $1 million to $140 million for new genetics and or traits. SEPA thanks farmers for buying new seed that not only maximizes yield potential, but also funds the next great seed innovations for U.S. farmers. To anonymously report a seed infringement, call 1-844-SEED-TIP. Now a National Ag Week message brought to you on behalf of Growmark and its FS and Green Member Cooperatives. Agriculture is the foundation of our country, the backbone of a healthy and prosperous nation, made possible by the hard work of America's farms and farm families who lead the way in preservation and innovation for the health of our planet and provide food for our tables. Join FS as we celebrate this week as National Agriculture Week. Agriculture, growing a climate for tomorrow. Oh, nice engine. Supercharged? Yep. High porosity and aggregates? Yep. Porous medium for gas exchange? Uh-huh. Microbial catalytic potential and repository for carbon and nitrogen? Check, check, and check. Oh, man, that is good under the hood. And to think I used to be impressed with hammies. So... When was the last time you looked under the hood at your farm's production engine? At your soil? Is it as healthy and productive as it can be? Stop by your local USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out and unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by NRCS and this radio station. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Senex Premium Diesel.
diesel that doesn't mess around. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back to AOA, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in and making us a part of your day on this Friday. One of the things that happened in Washington, D.C. this past week was Ag Day. Of course, all of those vendors and farmers and and ag representatives were on the mall in Washington, D.C. talking to legislators and regulators about the industry of ag and the challenges, I think, specific to agriculture here in 2022. One of the groups who was represented there at Ag Day, in addition, to the hearings over the Ocean Shipping Reform Act was Almond Alliance of California President Aubrey Betancourt. And Aubrey joins us today. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us, Aubrey. Absolutely. How are you? I am well. Bring us up to speed. You were in D.C. What was on your mind? What were the, the goals you were hoping to bring into the spotlight there for the regulators and legislators? Absolutely. It was, first of all, it was such a privilege to be there and, and what a great visual to see the amazing display of, of technology and equipment right there on the National Mall and to see people back on the National Mall to see it. So it was great to be uh, all of us together and, and participating in these various venues. And for us in the almond world, there are really two things top of the scroll for us. It is a reliable water supply in the Western United States and a functioning supply chain for our product to be distributed domestically and around the world. Uh, really, those two uh, items, you know, if, if we don't have both of those, it almost doesn't matter what follows for us. And they're big, complicated, hairy items, but they are the underpinnings and foundation to everything that we do in the almond sector, but also uh, throughout the specialty crop and the rest of the supply chain. Uh, we work a lot with our partners through AgTC and others uh, across the agricultural uh, spectrum from poultry and pork to citrus and then us on the almond side as well really focusing on, uh, and I'm glad you mentioned, the Ocean Shipping Reform Act, which did move through the Senate this week, which is a piece of legislation designed to give the United States uh, the authority, uh, the Federal Maritime Commission specifically, the teeth and the authority to really hold accountable uh, a lot of these foreign carriers and shipping lines that have been, quite frankly, predatory uh, in their refusal to take American product and deliver it uh, to, to, to its sold buyers, to its buying customers throughout the world. Uh, so that was one of the big messages on the top of the scroll for us this week. Well, and, and let's talk about that, because I think for a lot of our listeners who are perhaps broad acre corn and soybean growers, we're selling stuff in bulk. It's going to the New Orleans and away it goes. Specialty crops, that has been different. You folks have not been allowed to fill the containers that you've sold that need to go overseas because those shipping companies, if I understand it, just are taking that container back right away so they can charge the haul on the way back. So how would this free up additional capacity for exports? Well, it's, uh, you're absolutely right. The, the dirty little secret is on the West Coast, the greatest export from America has been air for a year. Uh, these containers, due to the increased demand for these empty containers uh, around the world, uh, and, and especially because of just the 20% bump we've seen in, in demand for imported product, these containers are worth, you know, what used to be worth $30 a year ago going back empty is worth, worth $30,000. And so the ships and lines are just taking them back without hauling product back. Um, and so we do, we do ship in bulk, um, but what the legislation is really aiming to do is go after some of the detention and demurrage fees. These are these ridiculous, these ridiculous fees that the, the carriers themselves can slap on um, paying contracted customers if they miss their delivery and loading windows uh, or if they're stacked on the dock for too long at, a, at, a, at uh, whatever increment or timeline that the carrier decides. It's, it's been incredibly arbitrary in the way that it's been um, handed down. And in some cases, we've got, um, you know, farm and, and production companies of almonds and other, and other commodities in the millions of dollars in these fines, which then they will fight uh, basically in, a, in an informal complaint process or a formal complaint process through the Federal Maritime Commission. And they hope that after time that gets ruled on as uh, being a, an improper uh, fine being placed on them. But the reality of it is, when the carrier is saying, you will load on Tuesday, the boat shows up and says, I'm going to be here for four days, and then an hour after showing up says, never mind, I'll give you four hours, and you miss your window to load, uh, they can slap you with a fine, take off, and don't have to take your product. 
Oof. Yeah, that is a that is a slap in the face. Aubrey, this has passed the House. You mentioned it's moved through the Senate partially. What are your expectations on getting this bill to a vote in the Senate? Do you have a sense of a timeline? Um, I, I don't have a sense of a timeline at this time. It did move through committee, so uh, we're we're seeing a lot of good pressure uh, and and quite honestly, diverse bipartisan support on it. Um, and uh, there is some opposition. Folks are living high on the hog because, uh, uh, you know, a system run rampant. Um, and I'm not a big, uh, you know, I, I love the free market and I love things uh, handling themselves. But, you know, we don't have a mechanism right now. And what I'm being told when I bring these complaints to the federal and the state government is we don't have a mechanism right now to hold foreign operators accountable when they violate our contract and just, you know, and mistreat our American farmers so, uh, and businesses. So uh, I'm hoping this moves very quickly. Uh, and then it's going to take some time to, of course, get the agencies up to speed and and uh, enforcing these new authorities that they'll have. And that's where our job in the trades is, is to really stay on top of these. So if you are out there, trust me, it's affecting a lot of our different commodities. Uh, if you are out there working with Farm Bureau or others, please contact them. Let them know uh, you're, you're supportive of this, too, and, and keep backing up your trades as they continue to push this through uh, for, for, for our industry and for our communities. And Aubrey, it's important because foreign demand has stayed very strong for almonds. Does the outlook look good for this whole year, assuming product can get moved? I mean, I have to. You know, the, the challenge is we need to move about a year's worth of product in three months. I have another crop coming off uh, starting in July, and and the 2021 crop, of course, is, is pr- predominantly sitting in storage. Um, so uh, it, world demand has not changed. Um, we have we have developed an amazing. Uh, global market for for American almonds. And why do I say American almonds? Because America produces 80% of the world's almonds, 90% of the United States almonds. Um, and this is a huge opportunity uh, that we have built for ourselves at, in the United States. Just transcend my almond farmers for a minute. We all know the power of the American ag economy exporting. This is about ensuring America's place in the global uh, uh, trade powerhouse that it always has been. It certainly is. We'll be glad to see it back or at least remaining in its position. We've been talking to Aubrey Betancourt, president of the Almond Alliance of California. Aubrey, thanks for joining us. And folks, tune in on Monday. We'll talk to Jackie Fatka about policy. We'll talk to Dennis Smith about the Cattle on Feed report, which is coming out today at 1 p.m., 2 p.m. Central. Take care, everybody. Agriculture of America is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Okay, gotta be late. Gotta go, gotta go. Where'd I put... Ah, wallet. Check. And... Oh, phone. Uh, check. Keys. Check. Lunch. Check. Checking for the things you need doesn't take long. But what about checking for your safety? Right now, one in every five vehicles on the road has an open safety recall. But it only takes seconds to check for open recalls on your car at checktoprotect.org. All you need is your vehicle identification number or license plate number. Your automaker may not have the right information to notify you about recalls by mail, especially if you recently moved or drive an older or used car. Checktoprotect.org is the quick, easy way to find out if your vehicle has an open safety recall and find the closest dealer who can make the repair for free. Oh, oh, laptop. Check. Before you go, take a minute. Visit Checktoprotect.org. Check to Protect is a program of the National Safety Council.